So as I've been uh, thinking about things these, these past couple of weeks, uh, as this semester has gotten off to a start, and uh, we're back at it. You guys are back in school regularly. Now we're back at this regularly. We'll meet every Wednesday now. Um, it just makes me think a lot about refuge. And uh, again, I know, I know we've talked about that before in here, uh, of why this is called Refuge, but especially in light of, of things that have been happening in this past month, um, what I shared with you all last uh, last time we were in here about my parents over the break, and um, JD, like he was sharing about this event um, that's going on on, on Monday, um, uh, this Finnish Strong event uh, that has to do with his dad dying, um, and. and just countless other things. I think especially after the difference, we had like 60 of you that, that came to the difference with us. Um, and so with, with leaders and everything, there's 66 of us sitting in a circle. And uh, whenever we do those things, whenever we do those events, and we spend that time together in a circle like that, talking for hours uh, about what's going on in your lives, and you guys, you guys share real stuff, uh, and you share about just real brokenness that's happening in the midst of your lives. Um, I don't know, it just reminds me of, of, of this psalm, Psalm 46. Um, it's where all this a few years ago came about with, with the idea of calling this refuge. Um, dictionary definition of refuge is being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Uh, Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kings tottered. He raised his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He bra breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The very first sentence, the very first verse in there says, God is our refuge, strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Again, he is this, this shelter that can keep us safe, this place that we can run to for security, protection, peace, rest. And one of the things in the light of the difference and, and going there and, and seeing that circle of people share and you share stuff again, um, I was reminded how, how, much, how much we need this. Not just in that, but in these last months. Like how much we all need this. How much we all need a place that we can run to for security, protection, peace, rest. I think about those, those words even, security, protection, peace, rest. There are so many things that cause us to be insecure. There's so many things that make us feel like we're not safe, like we're not protected. There's so many things that take away our peace, that, that bring anxiety in our life. Um... There's so many things that steal our, our rest. 
But, but the truth of this scripture, the truth that I, that I need to hear regularly, this is why this will, this will never get old to me. In the same way that, that I don't know, like my kids' hugs, right? I've, I've, I've gotten tons of them, so many. Uh, but that, that will never get old to me. It just won't. The goodness in that will never get old to me. The goodness of the truth of Scripture will, will never get old to me. I need to hear it. I need to know it. You need to hear it. This is why, we, this is why one of the reasons we come here is to hear truth, to make sure that we are hearing truth regularly. And truth like this, that, that, that God is the place to run to, that God is the one that we need to run to for our shelter, for our protection, for our peace, for our rest, that we can always run to Him, that we can always run to Him for release, relief and rest and security. Um, when school is frustrating, when relationships are frustrating and crumbling, when, when your parents' relationships and your, your home life is rough, uh, just the pressures that you face at school when you're not sure where you fit in, like all those things that are, that are frustrating, we can run to God. And, and, and what we tend to do, and what I, what I do a lot of times in my own life, is I run to things that were never meant to be my shelter, that were never meant to be my refuge. And, and I run to things that, that I find a lot of security in, in money. And I feel better if I have more of that in my bank account. And if I have less of that, I feel really, really worried. And that, that is something that will steal my rest, will steal my joy, will steal my peace. And it, it shouldn't. Because with money, with whatever it is, like, people run to all different kinds of things, right? Some of you run to grades to make you feel better. Some of you laugh at that, like, I don't ever run to grades to make me feel better. Um, like I said before, you have different issues. Uh, some people run to grades, and that's where they find safety. And if they have A's all on this list, then they feel good. But if there's one B, or if there's, heaven forbid, a C, then, they, then their world collapses. Some of you run to drugs, because then you can just check out. And then you can forget about your problems. You can forget about the, the, the middle of the, this crappy situation that you're in. And you run to that. Some people run to alcohol. Uh, some people run to relationships. Some people even knowingly run to unhealthy relationships. And they look for this guy or this girl to be the thing that's going to be their refuge. Like, I just need to be with him. I just need to be with her. And if I'm with him or if I'm with her, then, then that's what I need to, to, to be safe and to have, be, have protection and, and feel rest and get satisfaction. Some people run to money and try to find rest and peace in that, and they, they, they buy things to fill these, th this, pick, pick whatever, you know? It's, it's all these things. And it's probably because I have four kids that are six and under that this is the illustration that comes to my mind, but when I'm running to a refuge like that, any of those things that I just listed, it's like running to a house of straw or a house of sticks, right? Three little pigs. So many life lessons from the three little pigs. Um, thank God we tell that story. Uh, but, but there's so much truth in that, that if I'm running to these things like money, sex, drugs, grades, relationships, anything like that, then I'm running into this, this thing made of straw or this thing made of sticks that I think is, is going to protect me. And then when, when times get bad enough, whether that's wind, whatever, it's going to get knocked down. It's, it's, it's laughable. Like, when you listen to that story now, at, at the age that you are, you see the lack of logic in that. Hopefully you do. If you don't, then 
Uh, you see the lack of logic in building a house out of those things, right? Of course it's going to collapse if there's enough pressure put on it. But think about that and, and see that, vis that visual and, and think, like, that's what we do when we run to all these other things to try to find refuge, to find, a, find rest, to find peace. Running to these things is like running to one of those and expecting it to hold up. And then when it doesn't, we get all mad, like, oh my gosh, why would this not, like, why would this relationship not give, give me everything I need? Why would this not fill me like, I, like this, is, this is collapsing? Don't be surprised by that. God is our refuge. He's the one thing that holds up. It says, God is our refuge, and the very next description of him is our strength. So he is this place that we can run to that's, that's not just safe, but it's strong. He has all power. So that, that's one part of that word, strength, that he has all the power that we could ever need. Power for us to lean on. Um, he can provide us with energy and strengthen us. He can give us boldness he, through the power of his spirit. Again, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, if not my favorite, Romans 8, 11. It says, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if I have put my trust in Christ, is in me. I, I can't get over that. Because it's the power that conquered death. Like, there's nothing bigger than that. And, and that's what Scripture says is in me if I've trusted in Christ. So as a Christian, it's not up to just us alone to deal with these things. He has given us all these things, all this all the power and strength that we would ever need through his spirit. And then it says he's a very present help in trouble. I just love the emphasis of that, very present. He could have, he could have just said present, but it says very present. There's this emphasis that, that God is not far off. A lot of people want to tell you and get you to believe that God is far off, that he's distant, but he's not. He's there ready at all times. No matter where you are in life, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter where you are at location-wise, God is there, ready to help whenever, if you will seek him for that. He's not far off. You may feel like he is, but don't trust your feelings. Feelings are horrible. I mean, they're good sometimes, but don't let your feelings lead you. It doesn't matter if you feel like something is true or not. It doesn't change the, the fact that it is. And, and so, Christ... God is near us, whether we feel like he is or not. He's there. He's ready to, to help. He's ready for us to run to him, and he's always accessible. There's no time that we can't run to him. We can always run to him. But the mistake we make is we run to these other things that we've built up, that we think can protect us, that we think can make us safe, uh, instead of running to the one thing that, that never will collapse and will, and will always be able to hold whatever pressure is against it, and that's God. And, and then it goes on to say that, that we shouldn't fear. And it gives these examples, like even, even in nature, um, even if the earth quakes and all these different things in nature, like God is still in control. He's bigger than all that. So we have this God that is very present. We have this God that is very powerful. We have this God that is in control of everything. And I know I've, I've said this, and I will continue to say this, and I'll say it even more, that if you believe that, like, 
If you fully believe that, that God is powerful, that he is in control, and that he loves you, I, I feel like I always come back to these three things. That if you believe those things and don't doubt them, then there's no way that we can have any fear. Because if I know that he loves me, I know that he's in control, I know he has all the power in the world to take care of whatever he needs to take care of, there's no reason for me to be afraid. So the fears and the anxieties and the insecurities that I have, they're all based in lies. I'm believing lies that God's not big enough. I'm believing a lie that God is not in control, or I'm believing a lie that God doesn't love me. Like maybe he's big enough and he's in control, but he doesn't love me personally enough, so he's not going to do anything for me. Or maybe I feel like he loves me, but he's just lacking power. Or maybe I feel like he, he has power, but he can only can control some things and not others. If I'm, believing, if, if I'm believing a lie about any of those three parts, it brings fear and anxiety and things that wreck my world. But the truth is God is good, that he loves you, that he's powerful, and that he's in control. That's always true whether I feel like it is or not. And so fear is just a result of doubting God's power, control, and love. He is a refuge from fear, anxiety, the unknown, all these things. Um, he is our stronghold. He's never worried. He's never caught off guard. He's never overwhelmed. With, with him as our refuge, like, we, can, we can live in freedom from all those things. I don't, I don't know why you come here, but why I come here is one, I need this truth in my life. I need it as much as anybody else, more so than a lot of people, I'm sure. I need this truth and I need to be reminded myself that, that I need to run to him for all these things and that I can have freedom from fear and worry and anxiety and being overwhelmed and running to things that are just going to collapse. I need reminded of that. And the other reason I'm, that I come here is because I, that I, that I hope you would get that, that I hope that you would understand that because I think of the more that you guys believe that, the more that your, your lives will be different. And you won't come to me or come to your leaders with the same sin that you were struggling with four years ago. Because you actually believe that this is the God who we serve. That is bigger than that sin that you struggle with. And that he can actually give you victory over it, not just when you die and you get to be with him, but now, in this life. And you don't have to keep running to these houses that are just going to keep collapsing on you. And then you get frustrated and you're like, why am why I at this point again? And then you build up another house of sticks or straw and you jump into that one. And you're like, well, this one's better because I, like, I made these sticks a lot tighter. And I, I tied this a little bit better. But as much as you and all, all, it's all about you and what you're building, it's never going to be strong enough. And so what I hope is that like, when you see refuge on, on, on things like this podium and that sign out there and on these t-shirts that, that you have, like, I hope when you see that, that, when you see that word, that these things come to you. Like that the truth of that word comes out and it's not just this place where I eat a whole lot of pizza. Uh, but, the, but that word would, would bring these truths to you of who God is. And so some people take it a step further. After you build that house of straw, you build that house of sticks, and you run to that, and that collapses, then you blame God. Like, you're not big enough. You're not strong enough. Like, why aren't you helping me? 
And I feel like sometimes, it, like in my own life, where I, I say that, and then it, it dawns on me that I'm, that I'm doing that, and then, like, God's, God's just saying to me, come to me and stop trying to do this yourself. Like, you, can, you will never get the protection and, and the safety and the security that God offers as a refuge if you never step into what, he, what he's offering. If you're always at a distance and you're saying like, well, yeah, maybe that looks strong and that sounds good and I like that idea. But if you don't ever step in it, then you don't ever get the benefits of it. So you have to fully step in. And, and one way that, that, I, that I think that you can do that, and one, one thing that kept coming up over um, on the dis, uh, at the difference when I was talking to leaders uh, is that several leaders told me that lots of students were telling them, like, I want to experience Christ the way that you experience Christ. I want to experience a life with God like the way that you experience life with God. I want to be able to say, like, I, I heard God speak to me through Scripture. I, I, that sounds weird to me still because I don't feel like I've ever heard God, like, say anything to me. And I've never heard God audibly say anything to me, but I've had scripture that's like stuck out to me when reading it and knowing that God is placing that on my heart and then have people later that day, Lauren, send me something or talk, have a conversation with Lauren and that same kind of truth comes up. He does that all the time. This, this, if you've come on Sundays, this is what we've been talking about the past several weeks of how God speaks to us through, um, through his word and through his people and through the spirit. And I, I believe like Kyle's been preaching and Terrell has been tr- preaching that God speaks to us all the time. It's just a lot of us don't know how to listen. And so he's speaking this truth and I think one way that you can like fully step into this refuge of who God is and one of the things that's lacking in a lot of people's lives is, is really hearing from his word what he has to say to you. And so I want to provide you with tools. I want to give you things that make that easier for you because I've had so many conversations in the past that's like, I don't even know where to start in Scripture. I don't even know. I mean, I just flip to a random page, and hopefully he says something to me in that. Hopefully you saw when you came in on the table in front of the big refuge sign out there, there are a bunch of packets um, of this Second Timothy study. This is, what I, this is what we're going through this, this semester. And so there's a bunch of packets that I printed out out there, like 50 or something like that. Um, my... my my encouragement, my challenge to you, like if you really want to see God move in your life, like that's really the desire of your heart is you want God to take control of your life, take full control and use you and you want to be one of those people that you can say like, I heard God speak to me through this or that. Make a commitment this semester to dig into scripture and actually study it. And the great thing about this is this is a tool, like the first five pages of this, six pages of this, goes through Bible study methods. It's something that Jeremiah taught a couple semesters ago uh, about observing Scripture, um, interpreting Scripture, and applying Scripture and what those things mean. And if you can read, if you can like physically read, then, then you can do these things. And, and, and so it will give you things to do. But here's, here's the kicker, right? It, it's work. Like, you have to spend time in it. And, it. and it takes time to do these things. And so, uh, this is the example that I always come back to as well. The reason that I know Lauren, and that Lauren knows me better than anybody else, Lauren knows me better than anybody else on this, on, any person on this planet, Lauren knows me the most. Because we spend the most time together. She spent more time with me 
real time with me than anybody else. And so we share everything with each other. And so she knows me well and I know her well. And, and the, it's because we put a lot of time into that. The people that are your best friends are not just your best friends because they have these likes and you have these likes and then like you saw that on a piece of paper or something and you're like, oh, you like the same things I do. Let's be best friends. Like, maybe you interacted in some things that you liked, but then you chose to hang out to, with each other. You choose to hang out with each other more than anybody else. And so the people that you are closest to are the ones that you hang out with the most. And so I really believe that it is this simple in a lot of ways. If you want to be closer to God, make a point to spend time with him. One of the easiest ways that you can spend time with him, I mean, it, it wor it's, it's work because you have to like take the time to do it, but like actually taking steps and like tangible steps to do something, one of the, one of the easiest ways to do that is spending time in scripture. So what I hope you see is that this is, a, this is a tool. This is what I gave every leader. This is what I use to study before I preach every time. And if you just, what these methods do is it just causes you to spend time in Scripture. It causes you to just stay in it for a while and like really look up words. And we have the internet. Have you ever heard of it? Like it's the internet. It's pretty sweet. Like you can just type in something and it just comes up. It's crazy. I don't know. It's, it's going to catch on. Uh, but there, the reason I say that is like there's so many tools that you can find out. You can type in like what does the Greek of this word mean and it will come up. Like you can just type in like what does this word mean and it will come up. They will find that for you, although whoever finds that. Uh, so you have so many tools at your fingertips, but if you will walk through this with us this semester and commit to that, your leaders are going through it. I'm going through it. And so you have not only this resource for you to go through Scripture really intentionally, but also leaders that are going through it so that it, if and when you do have questions like, hey, I was going through this this week, um, and, and I saw this, and that doesn't really make sense to me, then you get to talk about that as a group. And we have these other things here called groups um, that we meet in as well. And you get to be in those groups, and you get to talk about this and, and try to figure some of this out together. Uh, so what I'm going to do, just a few minutes um, real quick, is give you a little bit of background of 2 Timothy. This is where we're going to be all, all semester long, um, is 2 Timothy. So I want to just give you kind of an overview um, of what it is. And then next week we're going to start in chapter 1. And if you get one of these packets, you'll see that the next section is um, just verses 1 through 7. Seven verses. So if you would study like seven verses from this Wednesday to next Wednesday... Uh, you would feel, you probably contribute a lot more to your groups, and, and, and I believe that if you would spend that time, that God would begin to speak to you uh, fairly quickly. And so, um, so this is called Second Timothy, because this is a second letter that Paul is writing to Timothy. Um, one of the different things about this book in Scripture, uh, there's only three letters that, that Paul writes to, like, a specific pastor of a church. A lot of times he writes to churches, right? Like, so, like, Corinthians is to the people, the church in Corinth, and he writes to this whole group of people that's going to be read to everybody. Um, and then First and Second Timothy and then Titus are the only three where he's, he's like writing to the pastor in one spot. Um, and, and Second Timothy, if you, as you go through Second Timothy, you'll, you'll see, um, well, let me give you this background first. Uh, Paul, we've talked about a lot in here. Um, Paul used to be Saul, and then God blinded him on a road um, 
to Damascus when he was trying to persecute Christians. He was, trying to, he was somebody that was all for killing Christians um, and putting them in prison. And then he has this experience with God and God changes his life and then becomes this guy that his whole life is about telling people about the gospel and what Christ has done. Um, and so this is Paul writing, and Paul's about to die. Um, he's been put in jail. He's been put in jail lots of different times, but he's in jail at this point, and he's really close to being killed for preaching the gospel. Um, and so death is really close, and it's kind of like in this, um, in this time where death is a really close thing, and he's thinking about that, He's not, a, he's not afraid as much as he is concerned for this, the, in this case, this guy that he spent a lot, a lot of time with, Timothy. Uh, Timothy is a guy he spent a ton of time with, and so he wants to make sure before he dies that he writes one more letter to Timothy to remind him of what really matters and what to live for. Uh, and so it, it's, it, as we go through it, you'll see it's a really, it's probably one of the most personal letters that Paul writes because of the time that he spent with, with Timothy. Um, at this time, another thing to know is um, Rome had been burned, uh, had been burned up in a lot of places, and the guy in charge, Nero, blamed Christians for that. And so it became really dangerous at this time to be a Christian. And not only dangerous to be a Christian, but dangerous to associate with Christian leaders like Paul. And so what a lot of people were doing is they would like, even though they were hanging out with Paul before, maybe they would stop hanging out with Paul, they wouldn't go see him in prison anymore, um, and they would kind of like try to be low-key so that they wouldn't get uh, persecuted as well. And so you'll see that come through as Paul's writing to Timothy. He like, he needs this guy who he's been doing life with for a long time um, because all these other people are bailing on him. Uh, Timothy is this, this guy that Paul went on these missionary journeys to try to start churches, Right? And he goes around and he starts these different churches in different cities. And when he was doing that on one of his missionary journeys, he comes across Timothy. Uh, and then he decides to disciple T Timothy. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But he leads Timothy. It sounds like he, he's, the one that led, he, he's the one that led Timothy to Christ, um, to believing in Christ. And then he showed him, here's what, you, here's what Christianity is. Here's what you believe. Um, here's, what, here's who Christ is. Here are the things that, I, that I've trusted in. Um, Here's how your life looks more like Christ. And he walks through all these things with Timothy. And then they go and they do ministry together for a long time. Um, and then Paul is, uh, they, they go to Ephesus. They start a church in, Ephes church in Ephesus. And then Paul leaves Timothy in Ephesus to be the pastor there, to, to head up that group of people, that group of believers. And so Paul is in jail, and then he's writing to Timothy, who's in Ephesus, at this place where they started this, this church and this group of believers together um, and so he's kind of urging him on in that ministry before he dies. And so this whole purpose of this letter is for Paul to prepare Timothy to, to be strong um, because they're facing lots of persecution, lots of people that, that don't like what they're talking about. And so he's writing Timothy. Um, and it's this intensely personal letter. As we go through it, you'll see that. Um, as, I was, as I was going through this, I was thinking, this is, like such a, this is such a great picture of discipleship. Me and Jamal were going through this the other day. And... Uh, and talking about this, like this is such a great picture of, of Paul and Timothy, these two guys, um, of what discipleship looks like. And so that's a very churchy word that we throw around a lot of time, discipleship, and a lot of people think they understand maybe, and I think, it's, I think you like get coffee together, it's like a requirement. Um, there's like all these things that we think about discipleship. Um, and so I'm going to talk 
real quick, five points of what is discipleship. Um, one, a disciple is, a, it, well, this isn't the first point, sorry, for those of you that like to take like specific notes. Little, little intro first. Uh, a disciple is a follower. Like the, this, this, the basic definition of a disciple is a follower of, of anything, okay? Um, one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another, if you want to get like really Webster's on you. Um, so a follower, one who accepts, accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. A Christian disciple is a person who accepts and assists in the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. So a Christian disciple is a person who helps spread the gospel of Jesus. Uh, and discipleship is this process in which we grow as disciples and followers of Christ. Uh, so here, five things that, that kind of, uh, being a Christian disciple is characterized by, okay? Five things that I think characterize Christian discipleship. One, putting Jesus first in all things. So if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you're going to put Jesus first in all things. That, that our goal as disciples and as, 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 as we lead other people and tell them about Christ, our goal is to put Christ first in everything, in every part of your life, that he would be the center. Um, that we would be set, and by doing that, we would be set apart from the world. There's one thing that Lauren and I have been talking about a lot lately, that we don't want to do anything in our family uh, because everybody else is doing that. We don't, we don't want to make rules for our kids, and we don't want to parent our kids in a certain way just because everybody else is doing that, Christian or non-Christian. I don't care if every Christian is doing this. It doesn't, that's not what I'm, that's not, I'm, a, I'm not a disciple of other people. I'm a disciple of Christ. And so what we want to do in our family, and what we've been talking about a lot lately, is that we want to do things and think about things and think about why we do everything that we do in our family as it lines up with Scripture. That's our standard. And so if, if, if everybody in the world is not going to wear yoga pants anymore, then, then that's what I'm going to do, right? Because that's what every Christian is doing. Um, no, I'm going to look at Scripture when it comes to all these different things, and we're going to factor in Scripture and make, dis- make decisions based on Scripture. And that's where my choices are going to come from. That's where, where, where the, the things that we do, and, and it's going to make us look different. And it should. Like, if you're, if you're following Christ, if you're a disciple of Christ, your life should look different. So in your context of your world, your school life should look different. Your conversations should look different. The things that you wear will probably look different. The things that you do, I was talking to a student that came to the difference and got made fun of like crazy for coming to the difference. You will look different if you live for Christ and you follow him. It, that should happen. And it should make some other people angry with you. Expect that. But our goal is not to please a bunch of other people. Our goal, to, our goal is to please Christ is to please God. And so putting Jesus first in all things is one sign of a disciple. Um, following Jesus' teaching. Following Jesus' teachings. So putting Jesus first and then following Jesus' teachings. So we can be the biggest fans of Jesus in the world. We talk about this a lot in here too. You can be the biggest fan of Jesus and who he is and who he was, and you can love the idea of that as much as anybody else. But if you don't obey anything that he says... How much do you really love him? I mean, we must be 
Scripture uses this, this term. We must be doers of the word, not just hearers of it. You can't just hear it and say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, and then do nothing with it. As a disciple, I'm going to do what God's word says. A key part of knowing that, or a key part of doing what God's word says is you have to know what God's word says. And so I'm going to spend time in Scripture so I know what his word says so that I can be obedient to that. Because, not because I just want to follow a bunch of rules, but because I want to live the life that God created for me to live. Think about it this way. If, if I trust all these things that I just said about refuge, like, right? If I trust that God is powerful, I trust that he's good, I trust that he's in control. If I really trust those things, then why would I not obey him? Because if I'm trusting those things and I really believe those things, that means I believe that God has more power than anybody else to make changes in my life, and I believe he has the best picture of what my life should look like, more so than myself. So it makes no sense for me not to follow him if I, if I trust that he's good, that he loves me, and that he's in control. So putting Jesus first, following Jesus' teachings. Number three, fruitfulness. I like that word. Fruitfulness. And this comes from John 15, 5, we talked about in here, in here before too, that um, God says that he is the vine and we are the branches and that our job is not to produce fruit. You're not supposed, don't take fruitfulness as like, I need to go do a bunch of things for God. Our job in fruitfulness is one thing and it's abiding in Christ. If you abide in Christ, and again, the picture is a branch in a vine, if you abide in Christ, it will bring you life. And all that life comes from, from the roots up, right? That branch just gets fed from, from the base of everything else. And so all the nutrients, all everything comes up from the vine and it goes into the branches. And when that happens and everything is going, then fruit is formed. The branch doesn't work to make fruit. It just stays in the vine. And if you break that off, what happens? It dies. So abide in Christ. If you abide in him, if you just spend time with him, that's what that's saying. If you just choose to spend time with God, you will see fruit in your life. You will see him do things in your life. And this is, someone pointed out this to me the last time that we talked about this. Not only is that awesome because you get to produce fruit, but what does fruit do? It's, it, it, it's something that you give to other people. Somebody else takes it and they get life from that. And so we get life produced in us through Christ by abiding in him and then it produces fruit in us which other people take and they get life from. So abide in Christ and you will, your life will be fruitful for apart from him we can do nothing. So putting Jesus first in all things, following Jesus' teachings, fruitfulness, number four is love for other disciples. Love for other disciples. We are told in scripture that the way people we know that we are God's, that we are his, is by the way we love each other. By the way you love other believers is what scripture says is people will see that the way that you love other believers and they will know that you are his. That's a huge deal. It's not just something, it's not just like a suggestion from him of like, hey, maybe you guys should like get along, you know, because that would be good. That'd be cool. No, it says that like if we, if we love each other well, that people will see us and they will see Christ and that they will want to be a part of that. So that's, that really is what I pray for here, what I think parents pray for here, which is one of the things I think drives them to want to do something and, and step forward and, and, and start something and meet with you on Sundays and, and pour into your life 
is that they want to see, like, when we love each other well, when I as a parent love these friends of mine, their kids well, uh, then this is what shows people that we are Christ, that we're his sons and daughters. And when people see that, again, it's an attractive thing, and they want that. And so my hope for refuge is, is that you guys would love each other so well here, other people would hear about that, and they would want to come join us. And they want to see what this thing's all about. Because they hear like, well, man, people seem to actually care about each other over there. And it's not fake, and it's not just a show. And so that brings people to the knowledge of who Christ is, which is our last point. Evangelism, or making disciples. So putting Jesus first in all things, following Jesus' teachings, fruitfulness, love for other disciples, and then evangelism. Making disciples. So the whole goal of all of this, I think really the biggest part of my, one of the biggest parts of my job description and, and your leaders as well, is that we would be people that make disciples. I mean, it's everybody's job description that's a believer. Anybody who has trusted in Christ, this is part of it, that the goodness that, that has come in your life and what God has done, you would want to tell people about that and that you would want to use that term, disciple other people. And that just means teaching them about who Christ is and how to follow him. And so that's what your leaders are here for. That's what I'm here for, to hopefully help you see how to follow Christ closer so that eventually you can tell other people, disciple them, and tell them that they can go and, and find somebody else and this thing multiplies. That's the whole point. And some people feel like, well, man, I'm a, I'm a pretty new believer. I haven't, I don't know a lot of scripture yet. I don't know a lot of things like that, but if God is, if you put your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and what Scripture says is then you have been raised from death to life, then you have something that you can share with other people. And then if you don't know some things, that's okay. Tell them you don't know, and then you'll try to find out. Uh, that's why we always push this thing called the Got Questions app, right? Or gotquestions.org. If you have biblical questions, you can go there, and you can find lots of really good answers. Or you have leaders that you can talk to and text. You have me that you can talk to and text. You have parents. I think they actually want you to talk to them sometimes. Uh, so these are the marks of being a disciple. These are the things that, that Paul will kind of line out as we go through Second Timothy. Uh, Paul and Timothy were super close. Timothy was this guy he discipled, um, and he loved and so I think a lot of this is going to come out, a lot of the specifics of this is going to come out as we go through Second Timothy. So again, my challenge to you is that you would take one of those packets tonight and not just take it and forget about it, but actually take it and use it. Uh, that if you really want God to be real in your life and you want to see a difference, like sp just spend time in this. Parents, you can take them. There, uh, we're, I've emailed uh, parents with, you know, with a link that you can download it to. Um, but yeah, just trust God at his word when he says that if you seek him and you, you're actively doing that, that you will find him. He doesn't, he's not trying to hide from you. He wants to be this refuge that we talk about all the time, if, you, if you'll let him.